0: 720 WGN, a bonus half hour of Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association before the semifinal games. I do wish the University of Illinois was represented in a deep tournament run. I'm sure Dean Vickamar from the College of Law at the University of Illinois wishes it too. But our Illini, man, that didn't go as deep as we wanted, my friend.
1: Yeah, that was disappointing, but hopefully they'll be back next year. Yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, I'm so glad to chat with you. Thanks for hopping on the line with us here again. And I'm so excited anytime we get a chance to talk Supreme Court stuff. And no matter where the vacancy is, which side of the aisle gets to pick it, it's a big deal when a new justice is uh, confirmed and will take over. And this one, of course, historic in many ways, too, Dean.
1: Yeah, the first uh, African-American woman nominated to the court, and uh, it seems pretty likely to me, will be confirmed and take her seat on the court. And as you pointed out, uh, everybody who gets confirmed to the Supreme Court is likely to serve many years, indeed, several decades. So um, Judge, Judge Jackson could be Justice Jackson for 30, 40 more plus, plus years.
0: Right. It is just huge because each justice brings with it, obviously, their own personal experiences. And I find that, and even the Republicans who were, you know, very critical in some ways of some of her past decisions, a lot of Republicans did credit the fact of a public education as a benefit that she had before going to college and also roles as a public defender. I think that. We want a Supreme Court, not only from a you know, uh, race perspective and a gender perspective. I, mean, I think a lot of people get behind the idea of a Supreme Court that is representative of different human experiences and, and different parts of the legal world coming together.
1: Yeah, indeed. I think some people care more about experiential diversity than demographic, that is, race and gender diversity. Uh, and uh, Judge, Judge Jackson brings uh, a lot of, of all of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. As I look through the vote totals for previous justices, of course, under President Trump, you had three fairly close votes uh, with Neil Gorsuch getting the most Democratic support. Uh, But you go back to President Obama and both his nominees, Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor, getting 63 and 68 yay votes, respectively. Uh, John Roberts getting 78 votes to be confirmed. And then you go before that under President Clinton, and except for the Clarence Thomas nomination into the into the 90s and the Bork denial, you had extremely bipartisan support for Supreme Court justices. The role that the Senate plays is advise and consent. And, and someone you clerked for, Harry Blackman, Justice Blackman was was unanimously confirmed, 94 nothing. I don't know where I'm going with this, uh, Dean, because I know you were more react to what's happening, but. Do we miss the days where the advice of the Senate was just to take a look at their record and, and were they are they worthy of that court? Have things become too political in your mind?
1: Well, uh, yes and no. Certainly things have come too politi- become too political. Um, now the votes are almost straight down party lines. So it was big news this week when Republican Senator Susan Collins announced that she intended to vote for Judge Jackson's confirmation. And, and Senator Collins, by the way, voted against uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation. So mm-hmm. she has uh, uh, switched sides um, uh, twice now. If she follows through on her pledge to vote for Judge Jackson, so nowadays it really just matters, you know, which party has control of the Senate. It's hard to imagine. Uh, confirming somebody um, uh, when you don't have 50 plus votes uh, in your party in the Senate. Now, that's that's bad. But I'm not sure the so-called good old days where we looked only at people's paper credentials is the right way to go either for the simple reason that just as the president decides who to nominate based in significant part on a prediction of how that person is going to rule in future cases, and in which direction that person might take the, consti- the country's constitutional future. There's no reason why the Senate can't also take into account that that substance. That is to say, to look at somebody's uh, uh, approach to law, somebody's uh, vision of what the Constitution means and various of its most important provisions, and take that into account moving forward. Now. Again, I don't think that's what senators are doing now. They're just voting against uh, nominees of, of presidents of the opposing party. Um, so we, we definitely are too partisan and too tribal and too political. But uh, I think there's a wide berth between that and just looking to see whether someone went to a good law school like Yale or the U of I or Harvard. Uh, and uh, and that's good enough. Uh, I think it is appropriate for the Senate to ask questions of the nominees to get a feel for what they're likely to think the Constitution means. Indeed, I think in the past 20 years, nominees have gotten away, and this is true on both sides of the aisle, they've gotten away without answering very fair and very tough questions. Uh, for example, senators will ask a nominee, what do you think of this past ruling by the Supreme Court? Um, uh, you weren't on the court, but but there was a majority opinion and there were dissents. Which one do you think had, got the better of it? Is the majority uh, more right or is the dissent more right? And the nominee will say, well, uh, Senator, I can't answer that because that issue might come back before the court, and I don't want to be uh, uh, viewed as having prejudged the issue. Well, that's everything. It's garbage. Yeah but that but that's garbage. The justices themselves on the court rendered that past ruling and they get to decide, they get to sit in a future case when that issue in that ruling comes back. there's no there's nothing in judicial ethics that says you have to have an empty mind. you just have to have an open mind right so Well the way to answer that question would be to say, well Senator, I, I can't promise how I would rule and I would always read the briefs and I' would always rethink about uh, rethink everything. But I can tell you based on what I read in those opinions, here's what I thought uh, made sense from this opinion and why I thought it was, uh, on on balance, more convincing than that opinion. But but nominees have nothing to gain and everything to lose by uh, being honest and and candid. That's what happened to Robert Fork. Robert Fork answered those questions, and it only hurt him. So the lesson since then has been, just clam up, and if your party has the votes, you get through.
0: Right. I was going to say, because I agree, I would love to hear more honesty in the confirmation hearings, but I think that the... Uh, Perspective justices that are being grilled recognize that they don't have honest brokers at and asking the questions they're looking for gotcha TV movements. So who's supposed to budge, right? Like how do we get
1: to a more equitable situation? Right. So what we need are a group of, of courageous senators to say, um, I generally oppose your views, but if you're honest with me about what they are, likely vote for you, because you are obviously um, well-credentialed and qualified, and I want to change the culture of the Senate. So I'm going to take a stand and say, if you answer these questions honestly, even if I don't uh, share your sense of what the Constitution means in every uh, important respect, I'm going to give you uh, the benefit of the doubt, and I will vote to confirm you. Or conversely, someone should say, you're of the same party. Uh, uh, The the president who appointed you is of the same party that I am. And I'm I'm guessing that you and I see most of the Constitution the same way. But in spite of that, I'm not going to vote to confirm you unless you answer my questions about these 10 cases uh, fully and fairly, because I think the Senate has a proper role to play here. And I'm not just a Democrat. I'm also a senator. And I want to make sure that the Senate Going forward, has an ability to do its job just as the president can do her job. Interesting. I I, I think I see
0: exactly where you're saying is that we maybe shouldn't resort to the days where Anton and Scalia, amongst any others, uh, get a 98 nothing vote just because. But we don't need to be where we are now, where we are playing gotcha questions about specific cases that, by the way, other justices in the past have ruled the exact same way, and they, the party had no problem voting for them then. So it's got to be honest dialogue back and forth, an honest look at things. It doesn't have to be unanimous, but we should take a better look at things.
1: You're exactly right. It, it doesn't have to be what it is today, but that doesn't mean that people can't object to Robert Bork or Antonin Scalia, uh, or on the other side of the aisle, uh, Justice Sotomayor. Right, uh, she may uh, have, have have appeared just as uh, you know, knee jerkedly, uh, reflexively liberal as as Scalia was conservative. And maybe uh, people could legitimately say that's not what I think uh, the Constitution means, and therefore I'm not going to vote for you. But, but there, as I said, there's a wide gap between rubber stamp based on paper credentials and where we are now.
0: Interesting, Dean. I don't know, I, I don't know why I thought maybe you would just see that the Senate their role is advice and consent and it's more of a rubber stamp. I don't know. I usually take more of that view because I feel like the Founding Fathers would have laid it out a little clearer if they really wanted intense debate. And I just feel that they just it's supposed to be a check mark that the person's sane and qualified. But you obviously well, feel I, like
1: we are entitled to more. Well, I'd say a few things. First of all, the word consent means uh, you know, you have to agree. Uh, um, uh, When you you consent to a document uh, at the bottom of that screen, when you you click consent, you're saying, I agree with this. It turns out even George Washington, the first president, had nominations to the Supreme Court rejected by the Senate. It's important here to draw a distinction between uh, nominations to the federal bench, especially the Supreme Court on the one hand, and nominations to executive positions like the cabinet on the other hand, with regard to executive and cabinet positions, the Senate has historically been much more of a rubber stamp, which makes sense because cabinet members and executive branch officials are part of the president's team. They are supposed to execute the president's will. They leave when the president leaves office, etc. Members of the judiciary are not part of the president's team. They're part of a third independent branch. They stay way past the president, um, in many instances, decades and decades past the president who appointed them. And so there's no reason why the Senate, which is elected um, uh, just like the the president is elected by the whole country, uh, can't be a partner in this process.
0: Right. So you feel the Senate is a really important check to the three equal branches of the government.
1: In theory, it was supposed to be. uh, That's why uh, they were given this this function. Uh, Structurally, in the Constitution, there's nothing to indicate uh, that uh, just because you come second in in the process, because the president goes first by nominating, that you're not entitled to take into account the same considerations. And of course, presidents uh, think carefully about what someone is likely to do when they're on the bench in terms of what they think the Constitution means uh, when they just dis- when the president decides to appoint that person. So if the president can take it into account, and we know they do, then and then uh, as a structural matter, and a textual matter, and a historical matter. Under the Constitution, there's no reason the Senate can't as well. Now, of course, the president has advantages by going first in this game, right? because once you you put someone in front of the country um, and in front of the Senate who has a compelling life story and who has a, a really strong paper resume, that's going to make it a lot harder for a Senate to reject somebody. Um, It's it's like a lot of games. In tennis, it's probably better to serve. In chess, it's right. better uh, to move first if you're white. So there is a first-mover advantage, but that doesn't mean that the other side can't uh, take into account the same things that, that the first-mover did.
0: Dean Amar, I'm almost like chuckling at myself that I just decided to wade into a constitutional debate with the uh, University of Illinois law, Dean.
1: <laughs> discussion, not debate. Discussion, my friend.
0: I, uh, I'm almost like hey, I need to check uh, check myself a little bit. Uh, Dean Vick I'm going to put you on hold for a second. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then I want to find out just how uh, interesting it'll be to see how a new justice is able to make her mark, as it seems to be. Can't hear myself. There we go. Just a couple more minutes left here on Let's Get Legal Powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. Sorry about that. A couple more minutes here right. with Dean Vick Amar of the University of Illinois as I continue to try and discuss checks and balances with someone who graduated from Yale Law School. That's always fun to listen to. Uh, uh, Dean, uh, just one quick question here for you before we let you go. Uh, sure. Was there anything from the hearing, or your understanding or reading of uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson, Judge uh, Jackson, about how she'll be as a as a Supreme Court justice? I think it's always interesting to prognosticate, but of course we never know for sure, do we?
1: We don't, uh, and that's one of the beauties of of having life tenure and independence of the judiciary. And just to to kind of clarify one thing from our previous uh, yeah. sesh, uh, segment. To, to say that you, uh, the Senate can and should take into account uh, the substantive likelihood that the uh, nominee will vote in certain ways doesn't mean that a senator should insist that the nominee agree with the senator straight down the line. Right. Nobody is a clone. So you, we never confirm anybody if, if the right. standard were, are you, do you are your views identical to mine? Right. So senators have to have some give here, but, th- but that doesn't mean they have to be rubber stamps either. Right. So to answer your question, I should point out that the, the University of Illinois College of Law in Urbana-Champaign uh, was asked, along with Stanford Law School, to put together a group of faculty to read Judge Jackson's opinions to assist the ABA committee, the American Bar Association committee that, that ranks, uh, or rates, I should say, professor uh, uh, nominees as well-qualified, qualified, qualified or, or unqualified. So I and my colleagues at Illinois, a dozen of them or so, 14 of them or so, we read uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, judge jackson's opinion i read uh 25 or 30 myself so i can tell you she's a very careful uh lower court judge now a lower court judge is bound by higher court precedent so i don't know if she agreed with everything that right. she had to write but but she was a very technically competent and careful and balanced and fair lower court judge and i expect her to be that when she gets to the court uh, will she be likely a liberal voice on the court I think so. I hope so, because the court needs some balance. The one thing I'll say, um, uh, and I know you're running out of time, but uh, I hope she is actually more strategic than the person that she's going to replace, uh, Steve Breyer, Justice Breyer, who, whom she clerked for, by the way. Right. She she worked for Justice Breyer after, after graduating from Harvard Law School. Justice Breyer is a tremendously smart person um, uh, uh, and a careful judge, but he didn't really... Uh, make a huge mark in many right. areas of law. Dean, I, I, I don't think he yeah, went I, into it that way, and I, I hope that she does.
0: I appreciate that. I, I apologize for cutting off. We're right on time, but we'll have to dive in that next time. Dean Vicamar, thanks for hopping on, okay?
1: My pleasure. Take care.
0: Uh, I always need more time with Dean Amar, and we'll do that another time. Let's get legal uh, power by the Illinois State Bar Association next Saturday at 3 o'clock.